I'm here with Adam Moylan today, actor extraordinaire. <laughs> Hi Adam, how are you? I'm good, Kira. how are you? I'm pretty good now. The idea behind this podcast is to, well, mainly inspire people that want to get into different things. I'm just going to get right in there and ask you, why did you want to become an actor? I suppose it's always been a thing of mine. It's funny because I'm the first person kind of in my family to do something like this, but my family has been really, really creative since I was born, really, or always, you know. Like, as soon as I was born, my, my uncles did musicals and, and plays and, on stage in school and, and they did it after school and they like f- from day one like I was in from the day I was in nappies I was watching Toy Story I was watching Hercules Star Wars you know my uncles just kind of drilled all these these movies into my head I don't know I mean I just I always had a massive imagination even in school I had no interest of pursuing anything else it was always just Wanting to be an actor, I mean, what fascinated me about the entire thing was I used to watch movies like Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and all that kind of stuff, as I said, and I used to look at the costumes and the sets and the kind of the world that they were in, and it would just put it into my head, being like, that, that, that's what, I want to live that, like, that's what I want to do, you know what I mean? I was always fascinated by all those kinds of things, and the fact that you could play a different character in different films like like you could be like oh I wonder what it's like to be a, a Russian spy or I wonder what it's like to be a guard patrol in the streets of California a cop all these different roles are, are completely different worlds that you can allow yourself to dive into and actually live and be a part of for a while in all these different films so that's basically what brought me towards this uh, industry okay that's interesting because you're probably the third or fourth person to mention Star Wars. Like, in the first episode, <laughs> Sam Clemens said, I wanted to be an actor because I wanted to be a Jedi. And then Steve Hall earlier today talked about how he would add lightsabers to everything he was doing uh, when he was 13. Is there any other films that have influenced you growing up wanting to be an actor? Uh, Star Wars Episode 2. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Toy Story, I know it's animation, but that straight away that was one of the first films I ever saw because obviously I think it was about two when it came out and just the fact that your toys could wake up when you're gone and just be alive and get into crazy situations and then have to literally fall on the floor and pretend to be a toy again when you're coming back in it's mad yeah but I mean like Hercules is another one straight away he was like you know it's kind of your classic hero film like that puts all this stuff into your head that like you know, makes you feel really good and then it makes you feel want, feel like you want to be that person and do stuff like that and also Lord of the Rings and you know I mean because obviously if you look at the world today and you look at the Lord of the Rings world the Lord of the Rings world is a completely magical world you know what I mean it's different from what the world is now so it's medieval and all that kind of crack so I mean all those films when I was growing up kind of or what led me to kind of wanted to pursue this career path. When you were just talking about growing up, it sounded like you always knew you were going to be an actor. Did you ever get lured into the kind of idea of a nine-to-five job? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, I tried that, it didn't work. And I only tried it because I needed money. Like, I mean, even when I was in school, like, school was a nine-to-five of its own for me. Like, you know, I mean, it was only it was a nine-to-three. I was just so not focused i couldn't get focused in school ever the only subject i had any bit of an interest in was was english and art maybe history you know but like other than that like 
people are talking about geography and maths. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't need to know any of that stuff. You know what I mean, I'm just like, I was not interested in any of that at all. And I only liked English because, you know, they they studied the plays and we got to watch films in the middle of class. <laughs> but like, a nine to five job is not not something I would ever want. Like, I mean, before I moved to London, I worked in uh, Virgin Media for like. I think it was a year, year and a bit, and it was great in there. Like I met loads of really cool people. They were all fantastic. Like my team leader was a really good dude. Like and I enjoyed working there most of the time. It's only because I knew it was temporary. I want to go into films. I want to be an actor. And obviously, coming from Limerick, it's not really a popular occupation to choose. <laughs> yeah. You know? I looked around, I was like, I could have gone to Dublin, there was stuff, in, uh, it was acting in Trinity, but it was like 500 points, and obviously I wasn't a very bright boy at school, so I didn't, didn't get those kind of points in the leading <laughs> So I That's ended the up, course that uh, Ruth Nega did. Yeah, 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 you know, like, I mean, uh, and obviously, if I had achieved those points in school, if I had listened, could have done that, but no, I mean, I, I ended up going, doing filmmaking in LIT, so it was video and audio production. And I've done it for five years, and it was good, and it's it's definitely been worth doing because not only am I doing acting in front of the camera now, I'm also like I've learned to kind of master how to operate a camera, how to edit, how to animate, how to sound mix, like all these different kind of stuff. Mm. It's all in the different modules. It's really cool, uh, really cool experience, and it was fun doing. Like so, I mean, even when I moved to London, I was able to apply for some jobs in that area, and obviously I met some of the some of my best friends now I met in college and it was really a gateway to to acting for me because I obviously this is something I thought about since I was a kid like since I was like maybe seven or eight years old had you just thought about it had you done any classes at this point when I was seven no until <laughs> you went to LIT uh, no I, I, when I was 15 or 16 I, I, I had done one or two classes in town with uh, Richie Ryan Oh uh, yeah, so he. Was what is that center stage? Yeah, center stage. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of the name, but then I was so rich red, so I was like, oh, I couldn't remember. But uh, isn't yeah. that a musical? Yeah, but see, obviously, I I don't have a note in my head. I can't sing, <laughs> so that's the only way I went to two classes. But um, yeah, no, my my father knew Richie. Obviously, when I got to like the age of fifteen, sixteen, and my parents realised that this wasn't this wasn't a phase. <laughs> Do you okay. know that I was going to be doing this for my life. My my dad put me in touch with Richie. And I actually filmed a short film with Centre Stage, and I played a park ranger in People's Park. That was the first role I ever done. It was great. It was only like five minute film, but it was it was really cool. And when I went to college. When I was 18, I studied video and sound technology in, in LIT, Limerick Institute of Technology. Obviously, we got projects from different lectures to make short films and to make TV commercials and, you know, animation skits. And, you know, it was actually a friend of mine, Andrew Fair. I met him in the course. We'd become good friends. And his, it was his girlfriend was best friends with, you know, Steve Spade, the magician. I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was Andrew's girlfriend that was best friends with Steve Spade's girlfriend at the time, Eve. And Steve was friends with Paddy, Paddy Murphy. Okay. Basically what happened was Paddy Murphy wrote this short story called Ensnared and sent it into a short story competition and it won. And then after that he was like, I, I want to make this into a movie. Like, you know, I feel like it should be something. So yeah. him and Steve kind of were looking for a crew to shoot this film and obviously Eve mentioned to Steve that oh 
you know, Hillary's boyfriend Andrew does this course, this filmmaking course. We can get your crew out of that. So Andrew's crew was myself, Sean Mercier, and Aaron Walsh. Yeah, so they are two of my best friends that would still be doing filmmaking t today as well. Um, so <clears throat> Andrew said it to us, and then that's how I met Paddy. So then Paddy obviously was directing the film. That was the first film he directed. It was the first thing, kind of a first time for all of us. Like it was our first time shooting kind of a proper short film for someone else other than like projects. So we all operated different cameras and, you know, we guys on the sound and Paddy was the director. And then it was actually Kevin Carley Jr., who's an actor as well. He was the main character. Yeah. Um, so we shot that over maybe three or four nights. And then we had a we had a premiere for it in at Storm. Hmm? Was it at Storm? Who? Did you have a, <laughs> a premiere at Storm Cinema slash Odeon? No. Not for that one. Okay. But I we had the we had a screening for it in the Red Hen in the pub in town. Um, so that was pretty cool. We we had two screenings. We had one in the Red Hen and we had one in Cellar Door. Two screenings there. Through those screenings and through because obviously we send all these films off to different festivals so yeah. we make different connections you know different people so that was the first one we ever done and we got to meet loads of different people through it and then we made two more with Paddy and Steve Devil on my back was one and then we met an made another one called Ground Floor and in Ground Floor I had said to Paddy at this stage that like I, I wanted I want to act like John you know, I like being the cameraman mm -hmm. but I want to get into acting more yeah so he gave me like a little part in Ground Floor that was the same thing it, you know, we had screenings for that around town because we knew people who had pubs and you know they yeah. would have out and whatever. Eventually, we screened all of these. Yeah, sorry, what am I saying? We did have a premiere in Odeon, yeah. Way. Yeah. I went to a premiere at Odeon. It was the three short films. With three short films. Yeah, yeah, that was Steve it. Spade was in one. Kevin yeah. Spidey Jr. was in yeah, one. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's our one. <laughs> that's so weird. That Sorry, yeah, no, I didn't know what you were... I, I didn't remember that there for a second. We did have a premiere. I just had a flashback. That was mad. Like, yeah, that's crazy you were at that. I was. I used to have a website, a blog, uh, called My Literature Handbag. It's not, <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. I yeah. went to the premiere. Yeah, Steve, Steve is, Steve's a really good guy. Like, he... he um, like I said, himself and Paddy were, were a big, big help uh, in, in introducing me to that kind of world, you know, at the start, because I didn't know anything. I was in college, mm -hmm. you know, I was just looking at, uh, I, I was like outside filming cars passing by for projects, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So Paddy and Steve really helped me. Wasn't you know, uh, Nigel Mercer in one of those? Nigel was, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like a he, he was in, or something. Yeah, he was in Devil on My Back with Abby. <laughs> Yeah, Abby Jean Hibbert, which herself and Nigel did uh, a film called Devil on My Back. Yeah, so we shot that in the Clayton Hotel. We like hired out the full uh, suite at the top, you know, the presidential suite. Oh, <laughs> we cool. Hired out that for the whole day, shot that. It was good, man. And th those films went down really well with the crowd, and that's that's what led to our next thing. Is um, my friend uh, Brian Clancy. I've known Brian since school. So he obviously came to our screenings with the rest of the lads to kind of support us and stuff. And then he, he was at the time he was a rapper, so okay. he was he was recording his own music. He was a musician, and um, he came to this. And he, I remember he he came up to, he actually came up to me in Cobblestone Joe's one night, and he was like, "I have an idea for a film, and I want you to play a traveller." So he said to me, "Okay, I mean." 
yeah, sure, why not? And he's like, okay, and, and uh, Aaron's going to play a traveler, and John's going to play a traveler, and Sean, and everyone, like all the lads that are going to be in it. And, you know, I have the whole story mapped out in my head. He's like, all I need to do is just put me in touch with Paddy, get me like a sit down with Paddy, and, and you know, we can make this happen. I was like, cool. So myself and the lads, we, we put Brian in touch with Paddy. Brian told him the entire synopsis in his head. And Paddy went home that night and wrote a 27-page script, and he called it The Three Don'ts. The story was about, it was Brian and Nathan Wong, who's another friend of mine. They were like just two ordinary Limerick lads looking for some money very, very quickly. Because um, they were both broke and they needed quick cash. So or Nathan's uncle, Uncle Harry was his name in the script, they get in touch with him and he puts, us in, he puts the lads in touch with my character, whose name is Banger. Banger was like this gypsy, bare knuckle, and he had uh, a bunch of other gypsies with him in his group, and we meet the two lads in like a parking lot, and I'm like, right, you want to make some money, I'll pay you if you... I said, I have these drugs in the boot of my car, I said, they're stolen drugs, you go out to the woods and you bury those drugs for me, and I'll pay you cash. And they're like, okay, cool, so they go out to the woods, they open the boot, and there's two dead bodies in the boot instead of the drugs. The original short film that we shot, we shot it over three, I think we shot it over three weekends originally. Three three weekends in a row, I think we shot it. When we finished the edit, it was, I think it was 28, 27, 28 minutes, basically half an hour long. We got other guys, because throughout college we met people who were into music. We met people who were directors, we met people who were producers, who were actors. We were able to assemble like assign each person a position on the crew and Paddy then Brian used to skate and he knew a guy called Barry Fahey from Atlone who was a DOP like a director of photography so he got Barry to come down to shoot the three don'ts and Barry had all his own equipment but he had all proper cameras so like the three don'ts like we, all the other films we shot we shot on like DSLRs um, the three don'ts was the first film we shot on like an actual proper cinematic camera you know Brian's brother Eric had written two sequels to the three don'ts, so it was, but there were two short films sequels, and then eventually we were kind of like, will we just make this into a feature altogether, like like just combine all three into one long film, like a proper feature film, and we were like, yeah, cool, cool. So we done that. That's how that film was made. But like, this is how it's things are funny. Like, I mean, like when when I started in college, first things my lecturer said to me in like the first week, they were like. What you need to be doing is, like, you're going to be doing this, you're going to be doing this, and this. They were like, I'm going to give you an example of what your work needs to look like. They said, there is a student in third year. So I was in first year. So they were like, there's a student in third year of this course. His name is Steve Hall. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they said, this is the work he's doing. This is the standard you guys need to be at. Wow. So I looked at Steve's stuff in first year. I was, it was like 18, 19 at the time. I looked at his stuff and I was like, this guy is, this guy's unreal. Like, you know, he yeah. is like, and I'm, I kind of made a little note in my head. I was like, okay. Remember his name. I was like, <laughs> I need to work with this guy if I want to get somewhere in Limerick as an actor, you know, because he is obviously the big draw from what we can see because he was working with everyone at the time. That was in first year of college, right? Fast forward to the premiere of our short film in the the cinema. Steve, because we had shared it on Facebook and we created a bit of a buzz about it, that there was a screening going down in the Odeon Cinema in Castle Troy, Steve came along to the screening and he approached me after 
and he was like, I really liked you in that I want to work with you. He said, I have a short film that I would like to submit to the Cannes Film Festival. He said, I want you to be in it. And I said, no bother. I said, perfect, let's do it. So me and Steve shot a short film called Safe with uh, Zeb Moore. Steve talked about this a little bit as well. Yeah, but like we shot this film and then Steve submitted it to Cannes. And I remember I was, I was actually out, I was in the lock, the lock bar one night, and uh, I was having drinks with some of the lads, and Steve rang me, and he was like, man, we got, we got in, like, we got into the short film corner, and I was like, wow, I was like, oh my god, and obviously, when I, when I first shot that film, that's the first time I met Paul, Paul was producing with Steve, yeah. so they had the Green Flash pictures, so me, Steve, and Paul ended up going to Cannes, and at the same time this happened, Paddy, Kevin Cuddy Jr., and Aaron, had shot a film called The Cheese Box that also got into the short film corner. So all together in Cannes, there was me, Steve, Paul, Paddy, Aaron, Barry Fahey, the camera guy, and and Kevin, Kevin Cuddy Jr. Um, so we all went to Cannes for like nine days or something. And it was just the most surreal experience. It was insane. Like that was the first time for me that like we got invited to all these mad parties. Like we got like to go to these really kind of like I don't even know how to describe it it was just crazy like we were on like red carpets we were in like tuxes it was just it was mad that was such a motivating thing to kind of you know if, like if you, if you ever had any doubts of like switching careers <laughs> you go and experience this it'll keep you invested you know what I mean so uh, the boys from Mardison's Bar in Cannes uh, they're from Limerick, so obviously they knew us, so they helped us out a lot. Like they screened, like we screened at the short film corner, but the boys in Morrison's had a projector, so they had a special screening because Nigel went as well, Nigel Mercier. He went for his film as well. So, like. So much Irish talent in yeah, And Zeb was there as well. Like there was so many of us over there, like it was crazy. When was this? This was in May of 2016. Okay. So, all together in an apartment, there was me, Steve, Paul, Nigel, and Zeb at one stage. But we all went to Morrison's Bar, and everyone had, like, you know, me and Zeb's film screened there, like Steve's and Paul's, and Nigel's film screened as well, and Paddy's as well. So, like, it was really, really cool to have, like, a little special screening. But this is, this is where it got funny, like, because I was obviously... You know, we were celebrating because of the screenings, so we were kind of drinking away or whatever. I was walking back from the bar, and I had a pint in my hand, and I kind of bumped into someone. And I was like, oh, jeez, sorry, man. Like, you know. And he turned around, and he goes, wait a second. He said, I know your face. And I was like, i never seen this guy in my life. And he was an Australian guy. And he picked up a brochure of the three don'ts, because obviously when Paddy went to Cannes he took the opportunity to print off some, some of the Three Don'ts brochures to oh, throw, wow. them in, throw them into pubs so good a promotion yeah Yeah. so this guy recognised my face from the brochure and he was like is that you and I was like oh yeah yeah that's me Yeah. and he was just like I want to know more about this movie like what, what's, <laughs> what's the story and I was like oh well I said there, there's a director over there so I, I introduced him to Paddy so that guy's name was Jude Jude Hilliard and he was a producer from Australia um, so him himself and Paddy then got to talking and that's how we ended up making the feature film of The Three Dones because the two boys got together and you know collaborated okay. and, and helped out and we ended up having another screening for the feature in May of 2017 because it literally took us ages to get it right because we, we'd, we'd shot a full feature 
and we showed it to Judd, and he was like, no, he was like, cut this bit, cut that bit. So we had to go back for reshoots. Like I had to, I had to keep growing this beard out every time <laughs> we had to reshoot. Eventually, we got it done, and it, it premiered in. Um, it actually it premiered in Vancouver of twenty. So we, we had like a special screening like in May 2017, we'll say, for family and friends, and it was the same kind of jazz as the last one. It was really good, and we had a Q and A and everything it was it was nice. Yeah. And then we put it into festivals, like all around the world. We weren't sure how this was going to go because it was a bunch of lads from Limerick who who obviously have an accent, you know, that yeah. a lot of people can't understand. <laughs> so we put it into like different films around America, Canada, China. France, Italy, like everywhere, and it ended up winning. Like it won, like out of all the festivals we put into, it, it ended up winning like fourteen or fifteen awards wow. like, for different categories or whatever. Where did you get the money for applying for different festivals? How did you fund the project? <laughs> uh, it was about twenty quid in a bag of potatoes. Funded <laughs> for three months. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Um, I mean, it wasn't really funded. Like it, it was like Paddy put. Paddy put a, a bit into it. Because applying for festivals is crazily expensive. Yeah, yeah. Pa- Paddy put a lot, uh, quite a bit of his uh, money into it because he believed in what it could, what it could be. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, but the rest of us, man, we were all in college. You know, like we, we This was just a bunch of friends making a film in, inside in the woods in in, in Limerick. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So we were not expecting this to go this far. When we're talking about everything up until now, May 2017. It sounds like things flowed quite smoothly. I was wondering what some of the roadblocks you faced along the way. Well, I mean, we had like groups on Facebook for the cast and crew, and and the director, and you know. So there were some weekends where like we'd be down to shoot. Like I mean, we went out on two different week- weekends. We went out to shoot, and we had to cancel. Like we had to stop shooting because uh, it was lashing rain. And then there was issues with like batteries and cameras. There was issues with like lights breaking and, and just shots not going well, sound being off, you know, like, you're going to experience that on every shoe. Regardless. Yeah. It was a nightmare half the time. Uh, because we used to be up all night. Like, we did we did a lot of all-nighters. Like, I used to be, I used to work in Tesco, right? At, at the time, I was working in Tesco. And uh, I used to work 6 in the evening till 10. And then Paddy would come and pick me up at around half 10 outside Tesco. I'd have my, my costume in my bag we would drive out into the middle of Clanlara, which is about 40 minutes away from Tesco. All the lads would get there, and it would be, we'd end up shooting from about, by the time they got set up and everything, it was probably midnight. And we'd literally end up shooting until about eight or nine in the morning. Like at one stage, we actually shot. He picked me up from work. I was shooting at 11 o'clock at night until 2 p.m. the next day. And I went to work from three to seven (laughs) after the shoot. It was mad, like, but I mean, that was when we were getting close to finishing the film, so we were all kind of desperate for it to be done, and we were just like, let's just do it, let's just put in the work, put in the hours, let's just do it. But yeah, I mean, it was it was obviously well worth it when we got to the screening. Um, just like my parents got to come, like my grandparents came, like my grand, like my granddad is probably my biggest influence in in, in why I'm even doing this. You know, like I must have been about four or five. And my granddad was taking me to the cinema, you know, hmm. to, to see whatever, you know, to see all these different films. And that's was he creative? My granddad? Yeah. Oh, he's still creative, I tell you now. <laughs> <laughs> you should hear him talk. <laughs> Man. Is he supportive of you acting? 
Oh, big time. Like, I've told my mother this, and she understands. The day I get my Oscar invitation, <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't even care if I have a girlfriend at the time, right? The day I get my Oscar invitation, you get one plus one. And that one plus one is my granddad, like, hands down. Because he's literally, like I said, like, himself and my uncles, and, like, you know, they're all the reason why... Like, I still go to the cinema with him now, like, you know? Yeah. I mean... It's like a thing just made him do all the time. That's what the cool thing was about having the premiere and stuff. And obviously that premiere then led us to going to Vancouver. So, I mean, like there's this thing in Canada called, in Vancouver, called the Vancouver Badass uh, Film Festival. So Paddy had been there, I think in 20, in February 2017, Paddy went there because he made connections with different people throughout going to different festivals. So we had been selected for best film, best director, best uh, cinematography, best soundtrack, and best supporting actor, which was what I got selected for. Oh, cool. So we ended up going, myself, Paddy, and Barry, and Barry's girlfriend, uh, Bash, we ended up going to Vancouver in February of 2018, and we went to this festival, and our film got premiered there for all the Canadians. Like, it was mad, it was crazy. Like Paddy wanted to the guy to have the film subtitled. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty crazy. That was pretty cool, like that entire experience was, it was a five day festival and like I met so many people at that festival who I'm so glad I met because they're such cool people. Yeah. At what point then did you decide to move to London and why? <laughs> so it was, I remember I was actually sitting with Paul, we were in Cockpool <laughs> in town and I had come back, I just come back from Vancouver. I had met the likes of Gigi, Sal Guerrero, and like Rainer, Shima, and all these people. They ran this company called Luchagor in uh, Vancouver. So it's basically like what Celtic Badger was. So Celtic Badger Media obviously was what Paddy and Barry and all of us ran together as a film production group. So we always used to get together and we just shoot loads of short films with like deep, like we we'd all be in it. We'd be playing different characters in it every time. You know, we'd all do it. It was like a team effort. Uh, and that's what they did in Vancouver as well, Luchigor. So I wanted to work with them as well, and so did Paddy. So when I got back from Vancouver, I was literally so motivated. And I obviously know in Limerick, it's like film isn't very popular. Now, it's getting there with Troy Studios coming in, and, you know, it's it's getting there now. Troy Studios where um, Night Flyers was filmed. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that, that was obviously very big for the city. Like, And I feel like in the next five years, you know, five, six years, maybe film's going to grow in Limerick. Obviously, at the time, nothing was happening. And I was kind of like 25. I'm like, I, I, w- I want to get out of here. Like, you know, I, w- I need to go somewhere. And I went for lunch with Paul, and Paul was like, "Where are you? Where are you thinking of going?" And I was like, "I was like, I'm gonna go to Vancouver. Like, you know, I want to work with the Luchibor, and I want to work with all all the lads that I met over there." And, and Paul was like, "Man, just go to London." He was like, "Man, all the opportunities are in London." He said, "You're either gonna go to London, or you're gonna go to LA." And he said, "It's much, much easier to get to London." He said, "You don't need a visa. You know, you don't need any any of that stuff." He said, "Go." And he said, "Sure, man. Fuck it, I'll go with you." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay." So we're going to London now. He was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so that was in like March, February, March 2018. And then obviously I was working then, saving up the entire time. And Paul ended up, we were supposed to move in September. And Paul did move in September. What happened was we, we went over to view houses. Paul had applied for a job, like this banker investment job. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
while we were reviewing the houses, he he got the job, and they were like, we need you to start like immediately, right? So me and Paul had a house with two of us in it, and we needed to fill two more rooms. But obviously, we didn't know anyone in London, so the the landlord just took it off us again. Uh, so once we lost that house, Paul kind of turned to me and he was just like, look, he said, I might have to look for a single room because I he was like, I need. I have to be here next week for the job, like, you know. And I was like, yes, fair enough, you know. So Paul ended up getting a single room in Acton, East Acton. I was kind of at home for a while in September, and I was kind of still kind of contemplating. I was like, should I just go to Vancouver altogether, you know, or should I, you know. And then a girl I know called uh, Kate Gorey, she had been living in London for the last year, and she texted me, and she was like, I heard you're moving to, to London. And I said, yeah, and she goes, are you looking for a room? And I was like, I am. She goes, well, if you don't mind waiting until January, she said, my housemate's moving out. She said, you can have his room. So I said, perfect. So I stayed at home for Christmas, and I moved in with Kate into this house in in Vauxhall in January. I had meetings with an agent before I'd been over, and once I got over there in January, the agent signed me up, and... You know, kind of went from there. Yeah, but at this stage you had um, 20 short films. I, don't, I wouldn't say 20, maybe maybe 10. I don't know. Ten. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> like there was quite there was a few of them, but I don't know if there was that many. How did you approach agents? So basically, I literally just emailed them. I sent them on my showreel. Look, I said I am an actor from Limerick in Ireland. I said I'm looking to come over to London to pursue acting obviously I said here's I, I actually I got a few clips from different directors that of stuff that I'd done and I went on to like Premiere Pro and I just threw a few clips together I had met up with a girl called Michelle Fox who is an actress in London she's been there for the last five or six years she's doing very well at the moment and she she was like a family friend so I met her for lunch and she gave me like different tips on how to get a proper showreel and she told me you know it's not about don't care about how you look in it or first of all she said keep it under two minutes don't worry about how you look she said just worry about how how your acting is in that scene no for boys like for men she said leave out anything that's gangsterish or guns or blood and guts like she said casting agents don't want any of that the casting agents always say that the men always try and look too tough and the women always try and look too pretty in their shorts. So she said for men, it was like leave out the blood and guts and the toughness and just put in scenes of you acting. And for the women, it was just the same thing. Stop trying to Instagram filter your, your showreel by looking pretty and just, just put in raw acting scenes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I did that for mine. I, I put in three scenes so it was it was uh i think my show was like one one minute 40 or something like that like three long scenes of different things um and i sent that on to the agent and she they got back to me and they they invited me in for a meeting uh, and i went in and they said we'll let you know by monday and then obviously monday they emailed me and they were like yeah we'd love we'd love to represent you so i was like it's really cool it's a big step for me at that stage because i i literally come over from Ireland, not knowing anything yeah. about what I was going into, or whatever, and and you know, obviously now they've got me hooked up on Spotlight now, and they they're getting me different commercials and different feature film auditions, and you know, every every different week. So 
it's going well so far. Because having an agent instantly legitimises you as an actor. So with these auditions, how have they been going? Um, do you have any advice for people going for auditions? Or have you had any auditions that have gone really horribly wrong? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I much prefer self-tapes, to be honest. I hate auditions. Like, I hate them. Because I just, I don't know, I don't know why I just always get so nervous. But even like most recently, like I think it was two or three weeks ago, I went for an audition in, I can't remember whereabouts it was, it was somewhere in London. But I went for an audition for this film and I was playing a London gangster. And uh, <laughs> I had been literally rehearsing this guy's lines in, in a Cockney London accent all week. I walked into your man's office and he goes, hey, Adam, is that? I said, yeah, I said, well, what's the crack? And he goes... Oh, brilliant! He said you're Irish, and I goes, yeah. And he goes, oh, can't wait to hear what the what the gangster is going to sound like in an Irish accent. And I was like, um, I I thought he was from London, though, no. And your and the the director was like, oh, he is, yeah. But I mean, you know, if you have an Irish accent, we're gonna we're gonna see how that sounds, you know. And I was so annoyed because I was just like, I've been practicing this London accent all week. You know, it should have been easy to do it in my own accent, but for some reason, I just whatever way I, I didn't like rehearse the, the delivery of my lines in, in my own accent you know <laughs> for whatever reason so I was going half Limerick half Dublin you know I was like oh <laughs> What's my own god yeah I didn't even know I just bottled it completely like I was just <laughs> like I felt like by the time I was finishing my lines in my accent like the, I did the London one because he asked me to do the London one as well so the London one went okay <laughs> the Irish, my own accent one which should have been easier was literally like oh my god I just I was looking at him before I even finished I was like just please end this right now <laughs> I don't want to do this haven't heard back from him <laughs> <laughs> and advice wise what would you say to people going into auditions that haven't much experience in it I would say just make sure you have the lines down and make sure you're off book because uh, personally for me I feel like once you are completely like once you know the lines 100% off by heart you're able to kind of mess around with your delivery of them you know what I mean yeah the last thing you want is to sound like you're reading it off a, a page you know you want to you want to know it off by heart and you want to be able to deliver it in in a way that you yourself would say it if you were in that situation mm. you know what I mean you want to make it sound as real as, as possible so Walk in, literally shake the director's hand, chat him up beforehand, like John. Try, yeah. try and get a good kind of thing going. Even make up a, a stupid story if if you want him to, to like, if you want to stand out, if you want to be remembered. Just be like, oh man, you should, I nearly got knocked down on the way here. <laughs> you know, you could just say something like that. Because yeah. then when they see your picture, they're going to be like, oh, that's the kid that nearly got hit by the car. Then <laughs> they'll remember you, you know? Okay. It's funny little things like that you could just say that might make you stand out more. One of the things I've been asking people in this series of podcasts mm. is about what advice they would give people that want to be actors. Or I've also been asking them what advice you'd give to your 13 or 14 year old self. What advice <laughs> would you give to upcoming actors and what advice would you give to okay. your 13 year old self? I mean, for upcoming actors, I mean, I, I, I still am an upcoming actor. So, I mean, I don't. I'm still looking for advice myself, you know. That's the one thing I would say is don't ever think that you know this craft fully or this industry fully because you're always going to learn something new every day. You know, I mean. One of the, like the things I've learned is like you, you need to be 
you need to be confident in your ability to kind of go out and do it. You, you need to be confident enough to walk into a room, have absolutely no shame, walk up to a director and scream in his face if if that's what it says on the page. If you're auditioning for someone who is going to go in and have a total, like a massive argument with a total stranger, you have to have the confidence to go in and go, I'm going to scream at this guy for the next 10 minutes because I want that part, you know. You've never met this girl that you're auditioning with, but you could go in and you might have to kiss her, or you might have to, like, attack her, or you might have to, like, have an argument with her, or, you know, act like she's your sister. If she's playing your sister, you might have to just suddenly get so comfortable with this person, you know, in the space of, like, two minutes. So you, you just gotta have no shame, that would be what I'd say. Yeah. You know, don't worry about what, what others think. I mean, obviously, like, growing up in Limerick, you know yourself, it's, 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 acting is not a thing here, really, you know. There's a very small community of actors here that, that kind of all mix around with each other. And then there's other people who would just be like, oh, is, it Mr. is that the movie star, is it? Oh, he's going to be on the big, big screen in Hollywood. <laughs> you know, like, that's, yeah. just, that, but that's just Ireland for you, you know what I mean? Like, that's just the way it is, you know. It's not, it's, it's a very different thing to do here. That's how people are going to view it. People that are used to the normal kind of situation here are going to look at your situation as being different. Yeah. But that's what I figured about London. When you go to London, I met so many different people like you and like Hector and Mike and, you know, Tom, Sean, all the lads that we know. Like, you know, I've never met so many actors in my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're yeah. all in the industry. Like, even the bar, like, working in the bar, like, in the Toucan. In Soho. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you know, but that's like every second person is in is is involved with film, yeah. or is a singer, or is something in the creative industry, which is a really really nice atmosphere to be around because you know that you can strike up a conversation with this person, you know, and and you, know, you can just you can just elaborate like they can tell you about what they're doing, you can tell them what you what you're here for, you know, it's nice. That's all I gotta say about that. <laughs> okay, and for your thirteen year old self. Mm. Stop eating chicken goujon. You know, <laughs> seriously, you're 26 now and you still, still can't stop eating goujons. What's up with that? No, I'd say you know, I would say don't worry about it. You know, I mean, keep keep. Actually, do you know what I would have said? Keep on keeping on. <laughs> yeah, no, but what I would have said was get involved in get involved in in this stuff earlier. Yeah. Know, because I didn't really start acting until I was. 19 ish, 18, 19, oh, okay. you know, because I, I, that's when I was in college and that's when I met Patty and you know, all that stuff. So I would have said to myself, yeah, get involved earlier because obviously with this game, you need age to be on your side. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would have said get involved a bit earlier. That's exactly what Steve Hall said to his 13 year old self as well. Is it really? Yeah. Oh man. So you have a couple of upcoming projects. I see you and the Ruby shot. Could you talk us through? Those. Yeah, um, so I see you, funnily enough, is with Steve. Uh, he's directing it. So I wrote this script about four years ago, three to four years ago, and I actually brought it into Steve and Paul's office um, on Thomas Street. It was literally just a thing of like, yeah, man, let, let, let's make this. And then, like, stuff came up. Like, you know, they were like, yeah, man, let's make this. And then they were like, but first, we, we're going to go to Cannes first with the film. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll get to making this after. And I'm like, okay, cool. So we kind of forgot about it for a while. Let's shoot this film now. You know, it's been long enough. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but 
then they were like, okay, we're shooting night shift. So they were shooting a feature. Yeah. That, uh, you have a cameo in. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah. I mean, Steve get a guardy uniform. I mean, we come in with a gun. I won't say any more because... <laughs> 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 but, uh, yeah, no, I have a little cameo in it. Then they were shooting that. So they were like, okay, we're shooting this first. So that we'll, we'll, we'll put it on the back burner for now and, and, and we'll, we'll get to it. So I was like, okay, grand. So that, that that was in like 2017 at that stage. So then then we ended up going to Cannes with that one as well. Yeah. Because uh, they wanted to sell that one for distribution and all that kind of stuff. So and they done that, and that ended up getting distributed all around America. And I think it's in the UK now. It's actually on Sky Store, I think. Oh sure. Then then like I don't. I was in Vancouver, and then me and Paul were planning to move to London. So it just kind of fell by the wayside. Yeah, a little it just bit. kind of yeah faded away a bit. But it was always there, you know what I mean? It was written, it was pr- it was done, you know. And when I was coming back to Ireland now for these couple of months, I kind of said to myself, okay, I won't be doing anything now until I go back to London. Like, So, you know, I might as well. Now is the perfect time to shoot this film. Myself and Steve got together and we got a crew together and we got like, the rest of the cast sorted out and we got the budget sorted we got all this different stuff location scouts everything mm-hmm. done um so we're we're finally in a position to shoot it now which is which is <laughs> a relief because yeah. it's been four years <laughs> of, <laughs> of waiting and trying to get this done and the ruby shot so i was i was at home on the days this was may i think may or june so there's a casting director called maureen hughes yeah so she was like the casting director for like love hate and Oh, he added her on Facebook when I was like 18 because I knew she was the casting director of Love Hate. I never met her, like you know, I just I just added her on Facebook. So I was like, oh, it's, you know. Yeah. She posted this this thing and she was like, this guy is looking for two Irish-based actors or uh, Irish Irish actors based in LA. Basically, is what she was looking for uh, for this for this film. She said, email this guy. She gave his email address. His name was Emmett. I, I emailed Emmett. I sent him on my showreel. And I said, hey, I said, look, I'm not based in LA. I said, I'm, I'm living in London, but I'd love to be a part of whatever you're doing. Like, with this, I'd love to be part of this film, you know? Yeah. He got back to me and he was like, he was like, hey, he's like, I, I really like your showreel. I've sent you some sides here, like some, some lines of the script. He said, I think you'd be perfect for the character of, of Tom Doyle. He said, can you, can you make a self tape doing a scene here that I sent you and send it back to me? So I said, yeah, cool. So I, I called my agent and I, I went down to her office. To be, like she was very good. Like she she got in a camera, she got in everything for me, like sorted. We shot the self tape. We got it like edited together, or whatever, and we sent it off to Emmett. But a week later, he emailed back and he was like, really loved the stuff. It was really good. Just give me a couple of days to finalize everything, and I'll get back to you. And I said, cool, no better. So a few days passed, and I remember I woke up one morning and uh, got an email from Emmett, and he was just like, hey man, he said, delighted to let you know I like you got the part. I'd love to work wow. with you. And I was like, I literally fell off my bed. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. So this is Max. This is Los Angeles. Like this is like this is literally place, what yeah. this is what I have li- dreamed of since I was four or five years old of doing. That's really exciting. Yeah, that was cool. And uh, like they, I got to go over there, and, and I was there for I think I was there for ten days, and I got to meet really cool people. Like Emmett himself is Irish. He's from Tipperary. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. He he was he was a good laugh. It was good to work with him. 
he's been over in LA. He's been he's been in LA and New York and San Francisco all around kind of the last five six years working. I mean, he's he's doing a master's right now in um, New York Film Academy. So that's what this film is for. Yeah. This is his final year project of his master's for New York Film Academy. So screening in the Rio Theater, I think it's called. And the plan for that, if it gets if that gets a good reception, you know, yeah. I mean, it hopefully, could, yeah, it could it could prompt the opportunity to go back out there for more work, you know. Yeah. So, I'd be hoping for that. Lastly, I wanted to ask you where people can follow you if they want to keep up with what you're doing. Well, I'm on Instagram, you know. What I mean, what's your handle? Just Adam underscore Moylan. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for doing this. No problem. Thank you for having me here. <laughs>